Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. This is episode 271, coming out to you on September the 28th of 2022. We're going to entitle this Wednesday, Where Are They? This is uh, in a part response, perhaps explanation, and definitely a follow-up to several videos my friend Kyle has put out calling to task other elected officials and why they don't get involved with the school district shenanigans. Okay, so let me back up and remind you, if you like, share, comment, and subscribe, you help the show. You get the word out. You let other people know, hey, there's something going on in Texas. There's something going on in Collin County. There's something going on in McKinney. We can get involved. We can make a difference. All is not lost. We're actually fighting the good fight right now, and we need your help. So on with the show. I want to let you all know I am recording this early. It is not Wednesday at this point, but it's going to be coming out on Wednesday. So by some strange coincidence on Tuesday evening, some of these people show up at the McKinney City Council, (laughs) McKinney City Council, McKinney School Board meeting, then they have earned themselves a free pass on the questions for today. However, they have an established track record of being absent and or silent. Hence my uh, desire to get this out. Um, My friend Kyle has been all over this for months. So I guess it's my turn to pile on. Here we go. Every month, McKinney ISD meets. Every month... McKinney ISD gets anywhere from 10 to 30 parents, grandparents, or concerned citizens that show up to ask them to address a couple of simple issues. Now, we don't have the issues that Prosper's dealing with right now, at least that we're aware of. We don't have some of the issues that they've been dealing with out in Frisco that we're aware of. And it appears that we have avoided the nonsense that's gone on in Lovejoy and in Plano at this time. Now, for about five or six months, the end of last year and the beginning of this year, I was going every month to the school board meetings. I happened to be home in the evening. I happened to not have anything on my work schedule to prevent me from going there. And I took part. And I got to say, the vast majority of the people on both sides of the equation were doing a good job presenting and putting up their story or their argument or putting forth their questions. And I want to believe and give grace to everybody present that everybody there, by and large, was there because they think they're doing what's best for their kids and the kids of McKinney in general. Now, McKinney ISD primarily is only in McKinney, but we have, I believe, a total of seven school districts that overlap the city of McKinney. Now, the 
McKinney Independent School District has actually lost students and hasn't grown at near the pace that the surrounding school districts have grown. And we went from having an A grade score to a B to a lower B. Now, this has all been established. Nobody really debates that. I'm sure they can give us all the answers as to why that's happened and, you know, shift the blame here, there, and everywhere. And the most common answer is, well, it's the student's fault. (laughs) Now, it seems to me that the school district is paid and has jobs for the express purposes of bringing about an education to the young people in the school district. And if they're failing to do that, that is a problem. Now we can look into why they're failing to do that and kind of sort out what would be a probable solution, but that's not the purpose of tonight's show. And I don't think honestly that I can give you all the answers to that because I don't have the inside information or the opportunity to see all the details involved with this. But painting with a wide brush, we can say this normally comes down to three different problems. One, not having adequate staff. Two, having improper or unqualified staff. Or three, having said staff focusing on things other than their core responsibilities. So, I believe the majority of the problem is not, in fact, on the teachers. I'm not going to give all the teachers a free pass all the time, but for the purposes of this discussion, we're going to assume that all the teachers that work in McKinney ISD, and when I say all, obviously there are exceptions to the rule, but for the purposes of this discussion, all the teachers working in McKinney ISD actually want to be teachers and teach the students to the level of mastery of the subject and the subject grade level that they're at. Okay. So we're going to say that the problem is not with the teachers. So that's issue number one. Now issue number, or I'm sorry, that's, um, that's possibility number two. Possibility number one is they don't have enough staff or teachers. Now, from what I've heard, from what I've seen, McKinney doesn't have a fully staffed teaching complement. Whether it's teachers or counselors or teacher's assistants, they are still looking for people. And if they're not, it's only because they have taken perhaps second or third or fourth choices to throw them in there so that they can actually function. So the lack of staff at this point, has been addressed, but perhaps with subpar staff. And again, I'm going to give the same proviso that I want to believe that every teacher that is there actually wants to teach the students and do a good job and bring them to the level of mastery appropriate for that grade level. So again, we're going to now eliminate possibility number one. So we're going to grant that they have adequate staff. We're going to grant that the staff is adequately qualified and wants to do the job. So option number three is the staff is doing things not associated with their role. Now, I want to center on this for just a bit. There's a bunch of variations to this. 
One is they can be adding stuff to the curriculum that's not related to the subject matter. Two, we can have bad curriculum that is mm, handicapping the teacher from doing their job. Or three, uh, perhaps the curriculum is appropriate, however, isn't being implemented properly. And I guess one other possibility is that the teachers are being forced to take on things outside of the curriculum that intrudes into the class time and the time spent on the curriculum. Okay, so let's let's go back to the beginning again. Um, I'm going to assume that the curriculum, for whatever faults it has, is a set curriculum. And it fits within the auspices of that class or that subject. Now, I'm going to set aside the known issues with some of the curriculum for some of the classes and some of the topics. We're just going to focus on the majority. And the majority is all we can focus on, right? So the second possibility is that the curriculum is uh, not good. Well, Again, we're going to go back to the first thing. We're going to say that the curriculum meets the bare minimum requirement. Okay. So then let's talk about not being implemented well. Again, we're going to go on the assumption that to the best of their ability, the individual teachers are implementing the curriculum and are doing their best to work with said curriculum to adequately bring the students up to speed. So now at this point, I've covered three of the four and by grace, we're going to say the teachers are not the problem and the curriculum the teachers are given are not the direct problem. Now, yes, my proviso is there are some curriculum that they're given that has material in there that is counterproductive or not related to the subject or, quite frankly, is disturbing. But that's something that's beyond the teacher's control, at least on the surface. So let's go to issue number four of those four issues. Teachers having been assigned a bunch of other things that are not related to teaching the curriculum. And I think this is probably the core issue. And again, this is me extending as much grace possible towards the individual teachers. Because I don't want to believe that the teachers are the problem. The teachers feel trapped because they have a job Whereupon, if they don't comply with the directives from their bosses or the hierarchy, they will be out of a job. Whether that's 100% accurate or true, that is what they believe. So if we work off of that understanding, if the teacher is expected to do a bunch of other things not related to actually teaching the class, that eats up the time that they should be devoting the class to the actual subject matter. Now, I don't know what all this is. I'm At this point, I'm purely speculating based upon some things I've heard and, you know, second and third hand, uh, whether it's quizzes, whether it's um, surveys, whether it's um, special things that they add. So I, I don't know this firsthand. But again, my default answer here is to give grace and the benefit of the doubt to each of the individual teachers, just like I try to do with each of the individual police officers or whatever else. 
we want to believe that the rank and file, the grassroots teacher on the ground is trying to do a good job for their students. Setting aside that there are going to be some anomalies, some crazies that get hired as teachers. So if the school district or the principal is requiring them to do a bunch of stuff that is not actually related to what they're supposed to be doing as far as teaching the subject matter in the class, that's a problem. But we're not really supposed to ask questions about that. We're not supposed to really know about that. And quite frankly, the teachers probably can't answer that because they would have to be concerned about losing their job. And one would be, I don't know, curious as to whether or not the school board itself has looked into this. Again, we don't know because our school board largely ignores the people that come to see them. They come and ask questions about, well, hey, there's this CRT stuff that you've then changed to social-emotional learning that basically is programming our students to believe that reverse racism is appropriate and okay. Basically, under the auspices of two wrongs make it right. I don't want to whitewash history. I don't want to pretend that bad things happened. I don't want to pretend that um, there weren't atrocities or there weren't terrible events in the course of history. But if we're going to talk about those, we need to talk about all of them. We need to talk about all the interrelated events. We need to talk about how, quite frankly, a lot of history is messy. And it doesn't get blamed on any one group of people or any one time period. Now, contrary to what 1619 Project or even the 1776 response says, all the people that were here were not terrible people. And all the people that were brought here in chains were not pure as the wind-driven snow. There's a lot of bad everywhere. But if you want to talk about history and talk about it accurately, I'm your guy. I'm happy to do that. I will fully acknowledge that Europeans and Christians did awful things to different people that were both European and non-European, both Christian and non-Christian. Okay, what's your point? So did the Chinese, so did the Africans, and yes, I know there's 57 countries or whatever in Africa. So did the other uh, Asians, so did the South Asians, so did the, uh, what would be now South America too. They all did awful things to each other and to themselves. Nothing is unique to any one group and any one time period. So to shift the blame is stupid. It's counterproductive. I think that false pride in one's country is equally dangerous, but we're a long way from getting there. I think that worrying about programming students to think one thing or another is detrimental. But if you go back to the founding and the history of our government education system, that is what the plan was from the get-go. So why would we ask surprised when they're actually doing what it is they set out to do a hundred and some odd years ago? I mean, going back to 1900, again, going to rephrase what John Dewey has said, the children who know how to think for themselves spoil the harmony of the collective society that is coming where everyone 
would be interdependent. They don't want children to think for themselves. If you don't understand that that's the underlying foundational aspect of government slash public education, I can't help you. But again, going back, all that being set aside, we've got two primary issues that have not been addressed in McKinney ISD to the satisfaction to many parents, which is we have pornographic materials available, freely available in the school libraries. And two, we're teaching curriculum that basically teaches one group of kids to hate another group of kids. It doesn't matter what the reason is. It's wrong. If it was wrong before, it's wrong now. Neither of these issues have been addressed. Now, going back six months, I was privy to a conversation with another person who said, well, you know, there is an ability to block certain books that your child could check out from the school library. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Why didn't they mention this five months earlier? This would have solved the majority of the problem for the majority of the parents. Why don't we know about this? Well, the answer is the school board has chosen not to make that available. Or perhaps the superintendent isn't interested in passing along that information to the parents and grandparents. Or perhaps the principals have zero interest in doing that. I don't know what the real answer is because they won't even address it. They refuse to deal with this issue. Now, you want to argue that the books aren't porn. Okay, fine. I would quibble with you on some of those books, but I haven't read the books. I trust people that have read some of these books. I trust people that say they've read all the books. Somewhere in between there, they've come to a conclusion that a good number of these books are trash and wholly inappropriate for young students. They ought not be available in the library, paid for by tax dollars. Now, the proviso is somebody's going to come along and donate these books. Okay, now what do you do? So my solution, the simplest solution would be, well, first of all, they're only going to be available in the high school library because theoretically in a high school library, you're going to have students that have reached the age of adult. They're 18 years old. And if they want to check out something that is restricted material as an adult, they have that right. Now it may make us uncomfortable. It may be problematic to a lot of parents that have 16 or 17 year old kids that maybe are having access to that at the same high school. But that's part of being a parent. You work that out with your kid. But there is zero place in my world or my understanding why you would need to have that in an elementary school. But we do. Apparently, it's easily accessible by elementary students. Now, yeah, they might have to go over to the middle school or they might have to go to the high school or perhaps the high school kid or middle school kid checks it out and gives it to them. Yeah, okay, that's all going to happen. There's no way to protect that 100%. But when it's available in all of these schools at the taxpayer's dime, we are basically acknowledging that we think this is a good thing. We are going to make this available to you. This has the vote of approval from the school district and from the government. Well, I'm sorry, that's not acceptable. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. I'm about as pro-liberty as an individual as you're going to ever hear right a center. And I'm going to tell you flat out, I don't want to ban books ever. If anybody were to ever advocate banning books, 
they would get an argument for me. But there's a big difference between restricting access in a government school and banning the books. Now, if you as a parent want to go get them some of these books that have questionable materials in them, be my guest. Most of those books can be had for less than 20 bucks. So if it's that important for you to provide that to your child, be my guest. On the flip side of that equation, if you are that concerned or that bothered that your child might be checking out that book without your approval or looking at that book at the school when you're not there to That's something you need to take up with your kid. That's not the government's responsibility. It's certainly not the school's responsibility. Now, it shouldn't be there in the first place, but if it is there and you haven't told your kid, don't do this, don't take that, and don't, and you haven't taken advantage of the convenient block that allegedly exists within the school district for their library card, that's your parental responsibility. So we have two solutions to the same problem. Now, that's high school. You're talking about middle school and you're talking about grade school. These books that are even questionably pornographic have no business, no business being to accessible to a 12-year-old or even a 14-year-old or a 5-year-old. Who in their right mind thinks this is a good idea? Who in their right mind defends this? But yet I've saw it firsthand, people defending it. Yes, I know. There are young kids that are confused and they need to feel socially acceptable and they need to be shown love and affection or whatever else. But some book in a government school really isn't going to do that for them. That is the responsibility of their parents, their family. And honestly, if a young kid doesn't know if they're male or female, that's a problem that they need to see a counselor, not some book or some trashy book in a school. That's something that shouldn't even be addressed in a government school or a private school. That's the parent's responsibility. And the fact that we want to push that off on government only serves to undermine parents' responsibilities as well as parents' rights. Now, if you're left of center here and you've made it this far into my conversation with you or my monologue, if you prefer, I want you to understand I don't hate people who play for the other team. I don't hate people that are confused. I don't hate homosexuals. I don't hate gays. I don't hate quote unquote trans people. I think a lot of these people need counseling. A lot of these young kids get confused because they're fed all sorts of garbage from the time that they're old enough to read and watch videos to the time that they're old enough to start making those decisions. But if you've got a six-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old kid and they haven't even gone through puberty and you're playing along with this nonsense that they're a girl when they're a boy and a boy when they're a girl, you're damaging your child. I don't know how you can defend that. If they think there may be same-sex attracted, boy, I I know that exists. I know it's a thing and I, I... It's wrong. It's sinful behavior. As a Christian, I can't go along with that. But if you're going to embrace sinful behavior, if you're going to tell your kid there's nothing wrong with that, you should just use your feelings. Are you really doing what's best for your kid? Are you really looking out for the best for your child? 
because you're going to play along in this make-believe. Now, hey, look, if that same kid turns to be 16, 17 years old, they've gone through puberty, they've sorted it all through, and they actually are mentally fit, and they want to choose that sinful behavior, my opinion, my my words, if they want to choose that, okay, they've done that. They're wrong in my world. They need to meet Jesus in my world, but I'm not going to beat them up. I'm not going to punish them. I'm not going to treat them poorly. Nobody wants that. We're so beyond that. But we're not going to pretend this is a good thing. I mean, come on. So books that are perpetuating that or promoting that behavior have no business around six-year-olds or 12-year-olds. And if you can't grasp that, I don't know that I'm ever going to be able to convince you otherwise. Now, the second part of that issue, the whole CRT, social-emotional learning thing. If you're okay with your kid being taught to hate another kid, or worse yet, hate themselves because of who their parents are, man, you got to get your head checked. That is a dangerous, horrible curriculum and thought process. But for whatever reason, it's in vogue. For whatever reason, people think it's a good thing. For whatever reason, people actually encourage this. And it's counterproductive and it's just awful. Awful. If it was wrong 50 years ago to mistreat people because of what color their skin was or who their parents was or what religion they belonged to, how is it better now? How is it good now? You got to be consistent. You were right in 1960 to question those things. But it's 2022. You'd still be right to question those things. What changed? So now I've laid all this groundwork. My buddy Kyle wants to know where are our state reps? Where are our county officials? Where are the members of the city council? Now, hey, I'll tell you in McKinney, mayor had no problem coming down and calling us all a bunch of fascist, racist haters, calling us names, throwing my friend Chad under the bus because he questioned the narrative. He had no problem doing that. He's wrong. I told him he's wrong. I told the rest of the people in that room he was wrong after he was done talking. But he has every right to do that. The question is, is how come nobody from our side does that? How come nobody from right of center bothers to show up as an elected official and say, hey, you know what? School district, this is wrong. You ought not be doing this. Oh, I know we got Jared Patterson, but that's out in Frisco. We've got five or six elected officials that are state reps in Collin County. And to the best of my knowledge, none of them have gone to any school board. And this isn't unique to McKinney ISD. It's Frisco ISD. It's Prosper ISD. It's Plano ISD. It's Lovejoy ISD. Princeton ISD. Where are these guys? They work for us. They're supposed to represent us. Oh, what are they going to go down to Austin and somehow fix it? Well, I would think that it might be worthwhile if they'd show up to these meetings and say, hey, guys, I'm a state rep. I'd like to know why you're doing these things or why you haven't dealt with these issues yet. Why are these parents having to come here for a year to try and get this change implemented? As the state rep here, I'm down in Austin and I have a little bit of influence in saying what happens at the local level with your ISD. And I'd sure like to know what your thinking is or why you're doing what you're doing. 
I would like for them to publicly call it out. I would like for them to ask. And I don't know why it's such a challenge or why it's so difficult for them to do that. Now, in fairness, the county officials have little to nothing to do with what goes on the in, on the school districts. But I will also tell you, these county local or county elected officials are local. They have children that live in these school districts. You would think that they would be invested in what went in the school district. I don't necessarily need them to come in and play the heavy and say, I'm county commissioner or I'm the county judge and what in the world are you guys doing? There's got to be a little bit of separation of power. But it would be very interesting for them to show up, sit down and observe what's going on to maybe ask a question or two or or maybe they're doing it in the background. But nobody would know because nobody talks about it. This is something that really lies squarely on the state reps, the state senator. And while we're at it, we have somebody that's going down to represent us on the Board of Education, right? The state board. Where's that person at? Where's, where's she been at? I'd like to know. Maybe she's been somewhere and I don't know it. Inquiring minds want to know. I would think she would be on the forefront of this. I would think that she'd be showing up to some of these school districts and say, hey, you know what? I'm on the state board and I'm really curious as to why you're doing this. Because at the state level, we've told you guys that you ought not be doing this. Or maybe they say, hey, you know what? I understand you're complying with the state right now, but I'm here to tell you, if you don't fix these issues, the state's going to have to come in and do it for you because clearly you're not interested in what your constituents want. But to the best of my ability, that hasn't happened to, or to find evidence. I haven't found evidence that it's happened. Now, I'm sure my buddy Kyle would be thrilled to tell us all, hey, so-and-so showed up and they, you know, spoke on this issue and... They let them know they're displeased. And again, to the best of my knowledge, only Jared Patterson has. And he's been called all sorts of names and thrown under the bus. And I really wonder, what is it that these state reps are afraid of? These are other elected officials just like you. You're calling to ask them, what are you thinking? Why are you doing this? At the state level, we're not pleased with this behavior. Or my kids are in the school district and I don't understand why you're doing this. Or my kids maybe aren't in your specific school district, but my brother's or my sister's family goes to this school district and they're really concerned. Why haven't you addressed these issues? Why have these been left to linger? But again, where are these people? What are they doing? There are so many people that are supposed to work for us, that are supposed to represent us. And I would really like it if they would show up. I mean, the city has no problem going down to Austin to lobby for what they want. Sometimes they go in person. Sometimes they hire their lobbyists to go down and say, hey, state of Texas, this is what we want out of you. I mean, the county does the same thing because they're both creations of the state government and they know that. But you know what? So is the school board and the school district does the same thing. They go down to Austin. Well, it would seem only fair. The state reps aren't in session. They ought to come pay a visit and say, well, hey, we see what you're doing here and this really isn't great. We really expect better out of you. Now, no, they're not going to solve everything. And no, I don't necessarily expect that just the fact that they've showed up is going to somehow fix everything. 
But I imagine a lot of their constituents would be pleased to know that they're actually paying attention or they actually care about what's going on in these school districts that are under their authority. So it should be no surprise that this will fall on deaf ears as well, more than likely. I'm recording it before the school board meeting on Tuesday, so I really have no idea if anybody will show up. I won't be holding my breath because, quite frankly, much past a minute, I'll pass out. But the reality we're dealing with today is our elected officials, all of them, once they get elected, with few exceptions, once they get elected, they really don't care what we think until about six months before they're running for re-election. And to be clear, there are a few exceptions. And we're blessed to have some of them right here in Collin County. Some of which actually live in McKinney. That being said, we have to work with our elected officials, but we also have to hold them accountable. And it starts with the school board and goes all the way up to the governorship. So if you're curious, where are our state reps? Where are our city council members that allegedly are conservative? Are they showing up? Are there presence being recorded in these school districts that are, quite frankly, reprogramming our kids to hate America and to hate who they are? That is the question. And with that, this was According to Callus. This is episode, or I should say was episode 271. On until Thursday, I will see you on the other side.